Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Ego Chow podcast, a Call of Duty esports podcast. My name is Preston Byers and as always I'm joined by my co-host Justin Minkowski and on today's episode we will be recapping the second major in the Call of Duty League season and what a major it was. We saw a lot of upsets. Uh, one of the most surprising results in terms of grand finals uh, that we've seen in the CDL so far. Uh, but before we do any of that, how are you doing, Bink? I'm doing well. You know, like you said, it was a really hectic weekend full of uh, a lot of upsets and uh, some juicy storylines. So ready to hop right in. They really followed in the footsteps of March Madness. Like we got so much madness in uh, in the CDL major. Um, and the the big story, obviously, are the winners, uh, the L.A. Gorillas. And uh, I'm not I'm not. That, that is a real thing. The Gorillas, they won the second major this season. Um, I was telling you I, a little bit before we started that um, if I had told you that a Dark Horse won, you, like, the Gorillas would probably be your last team that you would pick. And even if I told you that LA won, you would probably not pick the Gorillas as your first choice. You just would have thought that the Thieves figured out their issues and made a run. But... The LAG just, they pulled off an incredible, incredible run. Um, and it wasn't because they had a strong winner's bracket performance. They actually dropped down to the loser's bracket um, immediately. Uh, they were uh, defeated by the Breach and then proceeded to win uh, five loser's bracket matches to get to the grand finals and then won the grand finals by defeating Atlanta FaZe. So it wasn't like this was an easy path. This was essentially the hardest path um, other than they did not play Optic is essentially the only way that this could have been more difficult for them. I, I just want to get your thoughts on the whole idea. We'll, we'll go and we'll break down their run um, a, a, like you know, after you get done, but I want to get your thoughts on your feelings on LAG's historic win. You didn't even bring up the point that this isn't even their intended starting roster that gets yeah. the win here, right? So it would have um, been crazy if they had won even with Gunless, which is yep. pretty insane. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the big part for me is that um, they have a last minute substitution with. Uh, amateur player spark coming in uh to play in place of gunless due to illness reasons uh, as we said last podcast say it again hope uh gunless has a speedy recovery and hope he's doing well with everything that's going on with him um but yeah and then they go on this historic loser's bracket run arguably one of the best of all time uh slasher as he put it himself that he is the uh He's crowned himself the king of the losers bracket now and the king of LA, which that's kind of funny considering his history with uh, mm. the Thieves last year and everything like that. So, uh, yeah, this was completely unexpected. Um, I'll be the first to say it. Last week when we were doing our show previewing the major, we did a little different format where we went like team by team talking about um, their circumstances and their seating heading into the major and stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure that the Gorillas were the team we talked the least about because my, I personally just had absolutely no expectations for them. And it was no fault 
to them. It was just a matter of the circumstance with them coming in with a last-minute sub. Um, they had just played Optic with Spart in the lineup in an online match and got smoked. Like, it, it wasn't even close. Um, which, again, when you're playing the best team at the time, they're on their win streak, whatever, I think it was 12, that was the 12th win, so I think they were on an 11-match win streak going up against LAG with a sub. It, it makes sense that that match wasn't close in particular, um, but that's all we saw. And then we get confirmation a couple days later that Spart's going to be playing in the major, and we do our show, and it's just like, yeah, I, you know, I, it kind of sucks for LAG that this is the situation they're in, but it's the hand they've been dealt, and uh, I wouldn't have been surprised if they got a uh, top 12 finish, just, you know, losing in the first round, losing first round of winners, losing in the first round of, uh, losing in the first round of winners, then dropping down losers and losing there, too. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much all we said last week, at least to my recollection, so um, they completely proved me wrong, and um, I think it's safe to say they proved a lot of people wrong just because, again, due to the circumstances, I don't think many people had uh, very high expectations for them to even be like a top six team at this event, let alone win the whole thing. Yeah, and it's not like they had this incredible run in multiple game modes. Um, they, like, they're an incredible search and destroy team, apparently. Like, they went 10 and 2 in, in this major on, in search. Uh, they were two and one on Berlin, three and one on Tuscan, three and zero on Bokage, and two and zero on Desert Siege. But in hardpoint and control, they were just kind of average, six and six in hardpoint and four and four in control. So I, we've talked about it before. Search and destroy is the most important game mode. Um, you know, if you can get to that game five and you have the advantage in search, like that, obviously gives you a great advantage uh, in the entire series. But it's just for me, it's it's everything like it's just so shocking that a team with essentially a thrown together roster um spar is their uh you know their substitute he has been their substitute all season but substitutes don't you know factor into like the teams in the cdl the way it does in traditional sports it's not like the backup quarterback coming in like he, they're not in the same practice spart is actually playing with different teams uh he's he's been playing in challengers this season as all of the other cdl substitutes other than like pristini or whatever like those those substitutes are essentially there to just in case of emergency in case you know one of your players gets injured or gets uh sick or whatever and they can come in and they can fill in on a temporary basis but Spart did so much more, and I think he deserves a, a ton of credit for, like, this is a very stressful situation to be thrown into, and he knows, I'm sure, that he's already been in the CDL before. He played with LAG in that first season of the Call of Duty League, uh, and he hasn't been up to the CDL since. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that reputation is a really big thing in Call of Duty and esports in general. If people see you play and they don't see that your teams win or they see like maybe your stats aren't as good uh, or whatever the case may be, like there is that idea that you're just not going to get a shot or it's going to take a really long time to get your next shot. And had Spart had a really bad tournament in LAG, Maybe they get 3-0'd by Boston, then they get 3-0'd in the loser's bracket and they're out of the tournament. Who knows when Spart's next chance to be on a CDL roster is. But there is a very real conversation that needs to be had now 
with LAG about, okay, like, what do we do? Like, if Gunless is healthy, and we do hope that he is healthy by the time that the next set of qualifying matches start for uh, the third major, is is it the right idea? Like, does Gunless get his spot back in this LAG roster, or should we go with Spart? I, I want to get your thoughts on that. I don't, you know, maybe you don't have an opinion on which side they should go on, but, like, what do you think a team should do in that kind of situation? Because that has been a, a topic of conversation in sports. Like should a starting quarterback lose his position due to injury? If the backup does well, I mean, you're a big fan of Tom Brady. He, he made his entire career on, he filled in for Drew Bledsoe who got hurt and Tom Brady is now the greatest football player of all time. And like, I'm not saying that Spart is going to be the greatest Call of Duty player of all time, but this this result and this run cannot be ignored. So what are your thoughts on it? I have a lot of thoughts on it in particular. Um, first off, to touch on what you were just talking about before asking the question, um, it's not only the fact that Spart filled in as a last-minute substitute and they went on to win the event. He was also named the MVP of yeah. this tournament so um it's not like you know he was just along for the ride or anything like that he was literally named the mvp of the tournament and in effect the most valuable player uh of the event so um it's really hard to ignore that also just to quickly touch on uh what you were saying with search and destroy um i can go on into more details about their style later on and stuff too but um i thought it was interesting they play it kind of made sense just based on you know bringing in the last minute so they probably didn't have too much uh strategies or, or too many you know like play calls or anything really planned out ahead of time and they played more of a methodical slow style where um, they were watching a lot of cuts and pushes and then trying to get first blood with their nades and utility to get info, stuff like that. So I thought that was interesting to watch, um, especially in the grand finals. And uh, I will say, too, I was, you know, head Ego Child correspondent Trem and I have been noting that uh, Tupac, the S&D coach of FaZe, has been doing uh, some like Money 8's S&D chows and stuff uh, on Twitch. And even before this whole situation with Gunless and uh, Spart filling in for the online matches came up. I noticed that uh, Spart was playing with Slasher in some of those like Money 8 tournaments and stuff. So um, I did think that was kind of interesting at the time. It didn't make sense to me because obviously like Spart wasn't in the lineup and I didn't think, you know, like Slasher was like, it's, it's not like, you know, I thought Slasher was really good friends with Sparta or anything like that, so I, it kind of didn't make sense to me at the time. And now thinking about it, uh, obviously them just like putting in the work and stuff like that clearly paid off. Um, but now back on topic with what you were saying, um, the Gunless and Sparta debate is one that uh, I am super interested in. I really don't have, you know, a clear-cut answer just because I can see it from both sides, whereas I feel like it's very difficult with the Gorillas winning their first ever championship with this lineup. I feel like it's incredibly difficult to uh, just say, yeah, you know, thanks thanks for the time, Spart, but we're bringing Gunless back in and, uh, you know, we're not going to use this lineup right now. But at the same time, I could see them because just based on some of the interviews and stuff at the event with Asim and uh, 
I, I think Slasher might have mentioned it too. But I think all of them might have. But, you know, like some of the guys on LAG were saying this is like, this is for Big P and stuff like that. Like, shout out Big P and stuff during their events or uh, during their games leading up to the uh, finals and stuff like that. Like, these guys are close with him. Um, and I wouldn't be entirely surprised if he did come back into the lineup. But it's just such a difficult situation. And it's probably a decision that. LAG was not expecting would be a hard one to make uh, heading into the tournament, right? Because, like we were saying, they, I, I don't even know if the organization expected to win this event. They probably just thought, you know, Spart's going to come in, fill in for this major, and then Gunless is going to come right back in afterwards. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a really tough situation. Also, um, the type of person Gunless is, he's just like a... Uh, He's a true competitor, I feel like, and he's not someone that I think is going to want to, uh, you know, like sit on the bench and collect a paycheck. Like if he, if he's, if the gorillas are going to decide to keep Spart, I feel like he's going to want to, uh, you know, be traded or released to get a chance to compete elsewhere. But I don't know, you know, if that would happen or anything like that. So it, it's obviously, you know, another wrinkle in the whole thing there um but i also feel like you know i don't know we, and obviously we would have to talk to pierce to get what he thinks but it's one of those things where uh on one hand i i see you know gunless being that fierce competitor loves to compete he always like tries to do whatever it takes to win and he's gonna want to be back in the lineup but I, part of me even could see him being like damn you know this team uh just pulled that off without me and and they're really you know some of them are my really close friends maybe if you know i take a step back for now and see if they continue to find success without me maybe that's something he does i don't know it, it's really weird i can see all of this going multiple ways and i have no idea what's going to happen and we're just gonna have to wait and see another thing that should be credited to uh spart is his ingenuity uh pulling out the volk and playing with that at multiple times during this um during this tournament is it's pretty incredible like that's the thing that kind of goes overlooked because the so pro players only make up for you know there's only 48 players like starting at one time in the cdl but in challengers there are hundreds and hundreds of players around the world that are you know playing at a decently high level and in sparts case he was playing at a very high level in challengers but like there are a lot of different possibilities and uh, there are different things that these challengers teams and players are doing to try to get a little bit of an advantage on their competition and i just thought it was pretty cool to see someone like just anyone pull out a different gun this is the first time that the volk was used in the call of duty league um he, he pulled it out first in their uh i believe their second series if i'm not mistaken he pulled it out on control maybe it was the first series um so that, yeah so he pulled it out very early and um you know it's it's not like the rampart where uh you know that that gun specifically was the reason that you know, teams are, this team is going to be credited for this win, but it's just something to add on to it is like, there is this, this ingenuity on, 
uh, Sparks' part and for LAG's part to like let him do it and you know like other teammates not being like no 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 like just stick like stick to this other stuff like you know don't don't try to experiment during a tournament. Uh, I just think it's pretty cool and um, I mean you would know more about like the inner workings of COD and like plant you know you play GBs with our head ego chow correspondent and um, you know like. I just think it's cool that we finally have a player that's like, all right, I'll I'll be the one to pull out this other gun, and and now people are probably gonna start using it in league play and and maybe in GBs depending on the situation. But I just think it's cool that we have that player. They already are. People are already using it a lot in uh, ranked play, and um, I mean, even he Spart single handedly, you know, shifted the meta. Yeah. just alone this weekend throughout the tournament we saw um at points teams like boston uh were using two volks tj and nero were both using it on tuscan um abizi was even pulling it out on points for phase multiple players were using it throughout the tournament after uh spart pulled it out and um i will say there is already some talk about it potentially being g8 and stuff um don't know how much traction that'll gain but um, obviously I am on the side of enjoying more, you know, creativity in the meta and having multiple weapons if they actually, uh, fit. But Arcides in particular did tweet, uh, today, the Volk is most absurd gun. It does it all, has strafe, it has fleet, headshot multiplier, go burr, T2 gun ever. So, um, there, there, uh, could be some, you know, the Volk meta could be short-lived if, uh, the pros decide to GA it, but uh, who knows? Regardless of that, that doesn't take anything away from uh, what Spart and LAG did this past weekend. Uh, you know, he he saw an opportunity to bring out a gun. He showed what it was capable of doing, and uh, other teams were forced to adapt to it on the fly. And you know, that's obviously not the only reason why LAG won. You know, when when you win ten straight S and Ds in the course of a tournament that is not due to any single one gun, uh, especially when that, that the Volk was really only used uh, on Tuscan. It was used on a couple other maps and like spot situations, but it, it really like uh, was primarily Tuscan. And uh, I don't remember the exact number you said when you were going through LAG's uh, search records and stuff. So I don't know how many Tuscan searches they played, but like when you're winning 10 S and D's in a row, uh, I, I, it doesn't matter what gun you're using, in my opinion. Like that, that's a very team or coordinated game, and um, not one gun is going to lead to winning ten straight S and Ds. Yeah, so they went ten and two overall, and three and one on Tuscan Search uh, for this tournament. Um, I just, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of GAs because it just like kind of restricts what people are using. Like I do understand the the usefulness of them and i think that some are necessary and the best solution is just like developers and the league in general like working with pro players to like create a rule set that makes sense and that restricts like absurdly good guns that don't make sense like you don't have a counter or like perks and stuff like that uh but in general like you know i don't think that they should ga the volk like if it's good then use it like you know don't be stupid just use it if it's good and uh i think that the fact that it wasn't ga'd and uh, i believe it was like the the muzzle flash or whatever was like the the attachment that made it from like a you know a decent gun where you use it 
uh, infrequently to a gun that like Sparks using and like everybody's like, oh crap, like what what is he doing that uh, I need to be doing? So um, a, a really great performance. And like you said, there's like the, there's nothing that you can take away from LAG. Like the gun didn't make them win. Like they, that gun doesn't make them win uh, 10 of their 12 SNDs and it doesn't help them beat Atlanta phase in the grand finals, which is where I want to go next because, you know, we talked about it before. There are no uh, advantages in the grand finals of these CDL majors. So Atlanta, who were coming in from the winner's bracket after beating uh, the New York Subliners, the Seattle Surge, and then the Boston Breach, uh, Atlanta makes it to the grand finals while LAG, they're slogging away through the loser's bracket. Um, after losing to the Breach, they beat the Toronto Ultra, they beat the London Royal Ravens, they beat uh, the Seattle Surge, they beat Florida Mutineers, and then they avenged their loss. Uh, they beat Boston Breach and to get to that grand final against FaZe, um, a best of nine series. And like even, even with that incredible loser's bracket run, I was like, all right, you know, like Cinderella stories, like in college basketball, they usually have a bad ending. We saw it with St. Peter's. Like they have a, an incredible run. And then North Carolina is like, uh-uh-uh. No, not today. And then they get stomped out. I figured it was going to be something similar. It, even though this is not the strongest and most consistent phase team that we've seen in this iteration of the Call of Duty League, um, you know they still beat Boston. Who they, they swept Boston in the winners' finals, and Boston had swept the Gorillas in the first round of the winners' bracket. So I I did take that even with that uh, losers' bracket final law or losers bracket final win for LAG I still figured Atlanta's probably the stronger team here and they should win the series so that's I went with that pick I believe you went with that pick but LAG were just kind of like they were possessed a little bit to be honest with you um even like even after losing that opening hard point they uh, LAG lost Gavutu hard point 250 to 135 to start the series so like at that point, I'm thinking, well, you know, it's it's over for you guys. Like, like the fact that you're coming in with on this losers bracket run, you're warm, you're feeling like on top of the world, and Atlanta just like destroys you uh, on the opening hard point. I thought it was over from there, but LAG after that point routed off four straight map victories. They won on Bokage Search six four, Gavutu Control three two. Tuscan Hardpoint 250 to 227. Uh, they killed Atlanta on Desert Siege Search 6 to 1. Before Atlanta, uh, they came back. They won their second map of the series on Tuscan Control. And then uh, LAG, they rebounded and they won 6 4 on Berlin Search and Destroy. Uh, and on that map, Hook, who, uh, you know, famously was, you know, traded for by LAT. Um, you know, uh, the Dallas Empire bench hook, he gets traded to LAT. Nate Shot says he's a generational FPS player. You have to go get him within like a month. He's, he's benched. Like he comes back up. I think he gets benched again. Uh, they eventually trade him to the Los Angeles gorillas in the off season. And, and in this roster, they haven't had the most success. And I just like Spart is like the biggest thing because he's like the, like, I, I don't know how to really say it. Like he's, he's this guy that just like came up, like he did what he needed to do and he helped his team win. 
even by being put in a difficult position. But Hook has been in a very weird situation with like the allegations of like drug abuse and like he's talked about his mental health and stuff. Like, um, I, I, I think that like his story of just the past year or so and him winning this championship with LAG, I think that's an incredible story. Um, you know, you don't have to comment on that specifically, but like, tell me about your thoughts on this grand final series, uh, a five, two victory for LAG over the Atlanta phase. I think you did a good job summing it up. I mean, I did predict coming into this, uh, event that I, th I thought phase was going to win it all. I went back against, um, Optic, who, I mean, we haven't really even spent that much time talking about Optic yet, but we can get to that later. Um, and especially, like you said, uh, just just looking at the bracket and stuff, um, when Optic lose in the first round of Surge, uh, FaZe beat New York. We get another uh, FaZe versus Surge showdown, which has been a tough matchup for uh, Atlanta this year in particular. They lost at the kickoff Classic, I believe to start this year, which obviously, you know, it doesn't really matter that much, but, um, and then they most recently lost in the online qualifiers before major two, uh, Seattle upset phase in the, that qualifier, I believe that one was three, two as well. Um, so we do see, uh, that rematch for phase here. And, uh, there was a little bit of situation with Mac being sick mid map and map one of that series. We had to have a restart and stuff. Um, and he had a bit of a flu game. He was is especially on Bokage Hardpoint in that series. He went off uh, map four, I believe that was. Um, but then in the end, Atlanta does overcome Seattle. And after that point, it's just it's FaZe versus Boston in the winner's finals. And FaZe, like you said, just smokes them 3-0. And I'm thinking right alongside there with you, like this is Atlanta's tournament to win. Like nobody's going to touch them now. It, it's over. Um and, you know, to keep this as family-friendly as possible, um, even former COD Pro Enable, um, there, a, bit, a bit of a viral clip was going around Twitter um, where Zuma asked him what he would do if uh, LAG made a loser's bracket run to beat Atlanta in the finals. And uh, he said he would do something on stream that's not PG-13. Something and, that um, he would have to remove his rib for, I believe. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that just goes to show what a lot of people were thinking. And then, like you said, we get to this grand finals. LAG go on that run to, you know, get to the finals. And they have to go up against FaZe. And map one, FaZe dominates it right away. And it's just, I'm sitting there right alongside you thinking, you know, this is over. Like, this FaZe has got this in the bag. But then for LAG to rattle off four straight maps there... And you could make the argument that they could have closed it out in the Tuscan control. That one, uh, FaZe's second map win there on Tuscan control, it was, um, it came down to the wire because um, Atlanta was on offense in the fifth round. And uh, Celium, they, they only had, I think it was like three lives for FaZe and... I think it was a 3v4 and then somebody gets a kill on phase to like make it a 3v3 as time expires. But then LAG is pushing in while Atlanta was capturing it and they kill Celium as the tick goes through and phase gets the win. So like if they kill him a millisecond sooner, like the cap might not happen. Then gorillas just close it out in that and it's a 5-1 even. Um, 
So, like, you could make the argument that this could have been a 5-1 to the point where Atlanta won only wins map one, then Gorillas just rattle off five in a row and end it there. Um, but obviously, you know, we talk, we've talked about their uh, S&D streak where they uh, close things out in Berlin in the next map anyway to get that first win. Um, so, yeah, that, that was impressive. And uh, another note to go along with that is that both majors this year – have been 5-2 score lines in the best of nine grand finals. Both involve phase losing 5-2, and both involve the map seven being the decisive map uh, was Berlin Search and Destroy. And both Berlin Search and Destroys ended 6-4 in favor of the team to win the event. I think it's interesting. I'm not sure why that is. Maybe just the way that the game modes are set up and the vetoes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you can only veto one hard point because of the small map pool in this. So, um, yeah, I I don't, you know, no, I I it doesn't really matter end of the day. But I just mm-hmm. it, it was something I noticed when looking at the the results for both the two majors. So I thought it was cool to point out. Um, we've talked about Atlanta. We've talked about LAG. I think you know we got to talk about Optic because that was the team that, uh, even though you picked Atlanta, you were p- basically picking Atlanta because you knew I was going to pick Optic and you kind of wanted to be a little bit different. You know, you you don't have to admit it, but you know, you it it was that was reality. But um it w- it was undeniable at least that Optic was the hottest and best team coming into this tournament. They were on a 12 match win streak. They had beaten Atlanta multiple times. I believe they had beaten London at least once and uh, I consider London like before this tournament at least I I thought they were solidly the third best team in the league. Um they had beaten Boston who I thought was like fourth or fifth best. So like it wasn't like they were just beating up on these bad teams. They were actually beating teams um, that were good and they, they did it convincingly most of the time. Uh, so they came in with a 12 match win streak. They play the Seattle surge in the winner's bracket uh, first round and they get swept by Seattle. Seattle of all teams, like I, I think that the Surge, they are definitely a team that can upset you as Atlanta can attest to from the that first qualifying match before Major 2. But Seattle is just a very inconsistent team at times. And they showed up for this, for this match against Optic uh, a 3-0 with Seattle is kind of insane just to think about because... Um, Optic had just played them like a week or so, maybe maybe a week and a half before this, and they lost uh, that opening hard point, I believe, on Bokage. But then they beat them, uh, like you know, pretty, like maybe not convincingly. Like it's not like they just like steamrolled them. I'm I'm pulling up the stats right now. Um, so yeah, it wasn't like a convincing one, but they, they won the rest of the map. So they lose 250 to 207. I'm talking about in the qualifying match, 250, 207, Seattle wins on Bokage. Then Optic wins three, six, uh, on Bokage surge. Tuscan control goes three, two, um, for Optic and then 250 to 240 on Tuscan hard point. So it's close, but again, like a lot of maps are close and Optic has just made a habit of being able to clutch up all these maps and win it. Uh, when they need to so like that was then but then we get to the major and here we go 
Seattle, they win 250 to 159 on Bokage. So the the same ma uh, first map hard point as that qualifying match, Seattle like very convincingly wins. Tuscan Search, 6-4 for Seattle. And then the most surprising part, obviously, is 3-1 Tuscan Control for Seattle because Optic has been the best control team. I, I think they've... They had won like 15 or whatever straight control maps, uh, some like something so stupid and so good. But 3 1 Tuscan control for Seattle, and that's the end of the series. Sib on map three drops 34 kills for the win. Um, and Pred had 11 uh, for that search and destroy, and uh, Mac even. So this was pre flu game, but he had 35 kills in that Bokich hard point. Um, a, a pretty disappointing series for Illy and just a, a disappointing series, obviously, for Optic as a whole because one player won't make you lose like somewhat handedly to Seattle. Um, what do you think of uh, uh, we can we'll talk about it, um, you know, Optic's other matches uh, right after this. But I get I want to get your thoughts on this match in particular, because we've talked a lot about Seattle this season. Yeah, I think. You know, similar to Florida, it's kind of been, you know, Seattle has been in that inconsistent camp where, you know, they've shown flashes of greatness um, and flashes of what they're capable of doing. And at the other time, they've, they've gone on their losing streaks. And um, it, it really came down to what form of that particular team we're going to get on each given day. Um, and Seattle came out firing right away here. Um, I did see on YouTube earlier today, like one of those like COD clips channels. It was like something with Rambo talking about uh, the Seattle match in particular. And uh, I watched it, but I don't remember it too well, which is just pretty bad on my part. But um, I do know he, he like was mentioning that like he took responsibility for the vetoes because as you mentioned uh, in their online match, they played that Bokic hard point and um, they got like heavily outslayed in that one and only lost by like 40 something points and rambo's justification was like okay if we just don't get outslayed that heavily and it was that close of a game if we keep the slaying numbers a little closer we should be able to take it um and i think that i think that's like was mainly what he was saying i could be wrong and obviously if anybody listening wants to uh go check it out i'm sure if you just like google like rambo talking about seattle versus optic uh, it'll come up but um yeah, obviously this that was a very surprising result. Just the first day of uh major two in general was kind of surprising due to the fact that it was four three O's. Um and this Optic Seattle match was the last match of the day on Thursday. So we had three three O's coming into that. And everyone was like, no, nah, we're not gonna see another 3-0 if you yeah, know unless Optic 3-0 Seattle, and then Seattle wins map one. They're like, well, no, we're not gonna see Seattle 3-0 Optic. That'd just be ludicrous. But that's what ends up happening. And um yeah, I, I talked about it before, um, just the optic, uh, you know, the stereotype of slow starts to tournaments with past iterations of optic and stuff like that. Um but I've also said, you know, I don't think that's, like, really fair to say about this team just because there's so many different players on it now and uh, stuff like that. But this this was, you know, a slow start, obviously. You know, they the defending champs getting sent down to the loser's bracket right away was definitely um, a, an unexpected result. 
No, definitely. Um, so Optic, they beat uh, Minnesota in the losers bracket. Uh, you know, to kind of rebound, uh, they win that three one. Then they play LAT, and LAT was coming off of a few wins. Um, they had, uh, excuse me, one win. Excuse me. Uh, they had beaten the New York Subliners three two in their opening match of the tournament, and um, this was a really close series. Uh, as you know, we kind of become accustomed to between these two teams. Like, I don't think that like LAT is obviously a really talented team, but they're just like very inconsistent and optic is a very good team. That's usually pretty consistent. Uh, but these, these matches, um, between the two have been, uh, really, really good. Um, this turned out to be a, another really good one, three, two for optic, uh, and they advance after, um, you know, losing that opening hard point and the the bokeh search uh but optic they they kind of rebounded they were very good in control still um they crushed uh lat on berlin hard point and then they won tuscan search six four um you know we'll, we'll get to optic but let's talk about lat because we have them here this is the second straight tournament where they've been reverse swept to be eliminated from a major. It happened in major one against phase. They had him up 2-0, and then, um, you know, things just kind of went off the rails. They weren't able to finish the job, and they, I believe, finished, like, top six in that tournament. They did not finish in top six. Uh, they get knocked out in loser's bracket round two, which I believe is, like, top eight, maybe. Uh, so, like, not a good performance. Obviously, they didn't win any of their qualifying matches heading in, so they were 0-5. They did win that one match against New York, who is not very good at all, uh, and then they lose to Optic in a, a series that they definitely could have won. Like Even if you take away control, uh, which is Optic's like expertise, like you got to finish out one of those last two maps to win the series. And they weren't really close on that hard point. They got heavily outslayed. Um, Envoy, for example, had a 17 and 31 game, but nobody had uh, even close to a, an even KD for LAT. And then on uh, Tuscan Search, Kenny had 2 and 10, Envoy 3 and 9. Even with Octane, who had a really, really bad, he had a donut on that first Search and Destroy map of the series despite the win. He, he dropped 11 in map five and they still couldn't get it done. So it, it's not like one player just stuck out as like, oh, well, you underperformed uh, this entire time. Um, it, it just uh, a, a really weird series. What do you make of LAT? What is the future for these thieves? Because we talked about it on the last show, like 0-5 and then a top eight performance at the major. That's not something that... The Los Angeles Thieves, who have Octane and Kenny and Envoy and Draza, that's not something that they should expect or really tolerate. So what do you think the path forward is for the Los Angeles Thieves? Yeah, I, I still don't know exactly what the future holds for them. Um, as I said last time when we were talking about it, I think that at this point, it would make sense if they did decide to make a change, especially with the organization's, you know, brief history in the CDL uh, of making multiple roster changes last year. So I wouldn't be entirely surprised if they decide to go down that route again this year. Um, but at the same time, I don't know what the change is that, you know, just salvages this for them. I don't know. If they make a one-person change, I really don't know which one-for-one -one swap helps improve the team. And even if they make a two-person change, I really don't know which way they go because it feels like Kenny is the guy that the organization wants to build around. 
So then who do you keep with Kenny if that's what they decide to do? And then what two guys are coming in to replace the other two, whoever you decide not to keep with Kenny? Um, it's it's super, you know, I, I think it's just a weird situation that we don't have a clear-cut answer to yet. And we'll have to wait and see what happens. But it is also worth noting they, they came very close to getting a top 12 finish here. Uh, at this event, you you could make the argument Absolutely. that they should have lost their first series against New York. They pull off the reverse sweep over New York oh, yeah. um, before they get reverse swept by mm -hmm. optics. So, um, you know, that it's, I guess, you know, top eight's obviously better than top 12, but um, that still isn't for the caliber of players on this roster. This isn't where most people expected the Thieves to be at this point in the season. Um, so I don't know exactly what change needs to be made or, you know, what's going to happen, but, um, over this next little break period, I definitely wouldn't be surprised if they did make a change. And at the same time, if they decide to stick it out, you know, it might not end up working out for them just based on current results, but they just, there's so much potential and, talent on that roster where you know just literally less than a month ago we were saying this is the best hard point team in the game and now they're at the point where they aren't weren't winning any online qualifiers and getting top eight at the major by you know they they reverse sweep and then get reverse sweep like i don't know i just you know i think i think they they will end up making a change I just don't know what it is or how many people or exactly what happens. But um, I, just, I feel like with that organization, they expect better results. And um, I, I think by the uh, major three qualifiers, something will be different. Maybe, I mean, maybe if it's a role change, I guess maybe that's like the least, like, I don't want to say least impactful, but I guess that's the most minor change they could make where they, they keep the four players and maybe like Kenny moves to a sub or something like that. Um, that's just something I thought of off the top of my head now, but um, I would not be surprised if LAT make a roster change. I definitely wouldn't be surprised at that either. I do expect them to make a roster change um, just based on like what we know about Call of Duty and like how teams work. If they're underperforming, like it's, not very often that you have a team that is really missing the mark and what people expect of them and then they just don't make a roster change and try to write out this roster like even with the presumably a lot of money that they're spending to keep this roster intact because octane is an incredible player like all of them are incredible players and um you know like uh, you know, Octane was on Seattle as definitively the best player last year. And then Envoy was on Optic last year. Like, I, I think that they're spending a lot of money to, to put this roster together and they're not really getting anything out of it. They're not getting to even a deep part. I don't even know if they're getting to Sundays, like at the moment, like that's, that's not acceptable for LAT um, it, it, because like they're supposed to be one of the top teams in the league, like based on like viewership and like the, the number of fans that they have, like they're in the same tier as like phase and like pretty much that's pretty much it. Like they're definitely like the top three most popular teams in the league. So they're going to get that optic treatment where it's like when optic doesn't do well, people get really upset at them. Like, like really 
kind of crazy stuff that uh, gets said to those players. And I would hate to be looking at their mentions after this tournament. But LAT are kind of in that same camp where they have very passionate fans. They have a lot of fans. And those fans probably aren't going to be very pleased that they just got reverse swept again. And, you know, they could have knocked out Optic, which would have been a, a great thing for them. And then they would have played Florida, who um, at certain times looked very beatable. So, you know, that that entire the rest of the tournament could could have been different had the Thieves been able to pull off that victory. But uh, they just weren't. Um, and I do think that a roster change is probably the most likely solution. Um, well, solution maybe is not a good word because I don't know if it will actually solve anything. But I do think that's that's probably where we're heading um i know that the the coaching has been criticized but i think we talked about it last time like i don't think coaching has that much effect on it like that this is more of a player issue in my opinion like the, and not necessarily like these are the wrong players but these are you know these players are wrong in the moment you know like they're they're not able to get over this uh this hump apparently, and maybe they will uh they will be able to, but it'll be very interesting to watch and over the next whatever month and a half until qualifying matches start for major three, like I I think the most likely option for them is a roster change. I will say too, just just thinking while you were talking, um, LEG's decision whether to keep spart in the starting lineup or not could have uh that that could be like the major first domino to fall in yeah. what is potentially a huge roster mania right mm -hmm. because if lag decides to keep spart in the starting lineup um it, it's i don't know if it's safe but it would make sense if uh they try to shop gunless or gunless decides he wants to, you know, pursue options elsewhere and potentially make a trade. But on the other hand, if LAG decides to go back to gunless, they could keep Spart, you know, as their sub and just keep him on the bench. But due to his performance at this major, he will be an extremely hot commodity and a team like LA Thieves could, you know, make a very large offer to LAG and say, we'll give you, a, a ton of money here. Uh, let, let's make a deal for Spart, and then Spart could end up on a team like LAG, uh, LAT. Um, so that decision, whatever LAG decides to do with his lineup, could have a major impact on what is potentially a uh, a midseason roster mania shakeup. And at the same time, if something major isn't done with LAG, like if Spart stays in the lineup, Gunless decides to stay on the bench, or, you know, Gunless comes back in the lineup and Spart decides, or LAG decides to keep Spart on the bench. Um, that could also have the effect where we don't see as many roster changes in this upcoming, like, short month hiatus. Um, so that's also something to keep in mind that I was just thinking about. Yeah, there are there's always in in the big roster manias, like usually between seasons, there's always that big domino. It's usually Optic or the Thieves or, you know, Atlanta in some cases where that best team, they add a player and then everybody is scrambling to make sure that they have their roster set. We saw it before the, the first season of the Call of Duty League when um, Seattle was supposed to have an incredible roster. They were supposed to have Envoy and Arcides as part of their roster, but then things didn't work out. Envoy and Arcides end up going to Chicago with the Huntsman, and then Seattle is scrambling and all these other teams are like, holy crap, like 
what are let's make sure we have our players so like chicago or atlanta don't try to take them so i i do think that in this scenario at least uh we have that situation with spartan gunless maybe one of them will be on the move to another team i do think that makes the most financial success uh, i'm not like stan Kroenke is a billionaire so you know if he uh, depending on how much money he puts uh he and his other you know their partners or whatever put into um lag and like the the parent company for them uh i mean that could be something that we see about uh you know selling high like spart stock really cannot be higher at the moment like everything worked out in his favor and he deserves to get paid lag probably thinks they deserve to get paid for having him on their roster and you know maybe if they ship him out or gunless because gunless's stock is still pretty high uh relative to where it was maybe a year or two ago so i do think that a roster change uh you know depending on what lag does could be in the future um but yeah, that, that's a very interesting point. Uh, I, I do want to talk about um, Florida because they're one of the teams that we haven't talked about uh, so far. And I think their run is also very surprising um, to beat London in that winner's bracket round one match. Uh, it just is very Florida of them because we've talked about it. They're an inconsistent team. At times, they look like one of the best teams in the league, and at other times, they look like they're challengers players. So it's it's like – or a challengers team because there is talent on this roster. I don't want that to get confused, but – like they just seem to lose maps that they shouldn't lose and they win maps where you're like, are they better than optic? Like that's kind of the, the situation that they're in. And we, we learned that in this scenario where they play optic in the losers bracket, they were in fact better than optic. And like, that is a pretty crazy thing to think about. Um, you know, it, well, I'm not saying that they're better in the overall sense, but they beat them. So like, that uh, granted there was a uh, a little bit of activision yep. cheese that was uh placed right on top of that burger that was that 3-1 win from florida but i mean it was a it was an impressive win even with that uh spawn uh, the squad spawn stuff which is just you know stupid and activision should really stop doing it like we like we just need to get away from it i thought we were going to be done with it after everybody like completely hated it in modern warfare but it's just kind of been the that's the status quo now and that's just something that teams have gotten used to but um uh, let's talk about this Mutineers series. So they they beat London in that first round, then they lose to the Boston Breach three two in a w winners bracket round two. They drop down the losers bracket and they play Optic uh, in the uh, losers bracket quarterfinals. Um, I mean, I I think we both picked Optic, and I was thinking like, man, I I'm gonna pick Optic, but I just know Florida's gonna do like if they do something stupid here and they win, I'm gonna be really mad. And I was in fact pretty mad after Florida went uh beat Optic. They win three one. What did you think of Florida's victory over Optic? Um, yeah, so that was the only thing I was thinking there was that you know who knows what happens in that Florida versus Optic series if you know things go the way. 99% of the time you expect 
uh, them to happen there. And for those who might have missed the match or whatever, uh, first map in the Florida versus Optic series was a Gavutu hard point. Um, P1 is the ring hard point, and Optic gets four down. Shotzi was the one who died. He spawns up uh, on one side of the map. I think, you know, looking at the mini map, it's on the right side of the map. Um, and because Optic got four down, they're starting to push forward towards the left side of the mini map. And um, because of that, they're expecting the uh, Florida players to spawn on that side of the map because they hadn't crossed like the 50 yard line, the imaginary line on the map, you know, kind of dividing it by that. And um, it turns out Florida spawns behind where Shotzi had just spawned, and then they're able to push in. It gets chaotic in the hill for a little bit, and Florida comes away with a two-point victory. Um, but regardless of that, uh, like you said, you know they kind of they dominated the uh, Berlin search against Optic. Uh, Skies in particular had a really good uh, game there, and the only it was a six-one, and the only round that Optic won in that was when Skies called in his streak, and then I don't even remember what the perk is called in this game but it's like the cold-blooded or ghost perk that like hides you when an ai controlled streak is called in or a user controlled streak is called in it doesn't show like the red square or circle around you um but uh, optic put that streak on so skies didn't know where any of them are and they were able to kill skies while he was in his streak and stuff so that was the only round optic one in that search um and then Optic wins the control, which you expect because Optic is a strong search team. So you could say, in theory, if you know Optic doesn't get the unfortunate spawn there in map one, they could be up 2-1 in the series at this point. Florida wins game four. And then, you know, we're looking at a game five scenario. Who really knows what happens based on Florida's performance in the search in game two. Um, so regardless, you know, can't really take anything away from Florida there. Um, they, you know... They can't control where they spawn, so they just, you know, they played it out and, uh, you know, were able to come away with the win. I, I will say, in general, outside of that and, you know, this series in particular, uh, one thing you mentioned to me during the tournament and stuff uh, beforehand that I just thought was interesting is we're seeing a little shift uh, in the maps Florida seems to be playing because we've talked... Um, multiple times now on the podcast and the community has talked about the uh, the composition of Florida's team, which seems to be, you know, heavily AR favored and uh, the team seemed to be playing a lot of Bokage Hardpoint, which is not a very AR favored map. And in this tournament, you know, just going through their series real, real quick, um, Florida wins 3-0 against the Ravens. They play Gavutu Hardpoint and Gavutu Control. Uh, so obviously Gavutu is the most AR favored map uh, in the game. Then against Boston Breach in the winner's bracket, they play Gavutu in Berlin hardpoint. I would say, you know, probably in my opinion for the hardpoints, uh, Berlin's like the second biggest map or the second most AR dominant uh, hardpoint behind Gavutu. So we're seeing Gavutu in Berlin there. Uh, and there was Gavutu control for the respawn in that match as well. And then against Optic again, we saw Gavutu hardpoint, Berlin search, Gavutu control, Berlin hardpoint. So we were seeing Florida play a lot of Gavutu in particular. And when they weren't playing Gavutu, it seemed like they were playing Berlin. 
uh, which compared, in my opinion at least, to you know Bokage and Tuscan, they are definitely more AR favored than sub favored, and that just makes sense to me. Um, you could make the argument that it doesn't necessarily make sense that why teams are letting them play those maps. Maybe it's just because of their early season success on a map like Bokage. Um, maybe they you know weren't buying into the success at the start of the major on the maps. I don't really know, obviously. All speculation there. But I just thought it was interesting. We are starting to see uh, what looks like Florida expanding their map pool to a map, in my opinion, that seems to fit their, their team composition a little better. And obviously, you know, they, they end up coming in fourth at this tournament. So um, that this could be something that sets them up for more success throughout the year, either in the form of them continuing to play maps like Avutu and Berlin and winning them or teams starting to ban Gavutu or Berlin against them, and then they're still having a map like Bokage they can fall back on where they have seen some success this year. It's interesting for Florida because um, not only is the composition the composition something that they... I don't want to say that they struggle with because maybe they've gotten kind of used to it, but everybody still talks about it, including us. Yeah. Like we still talk about like, how do these roles fit because blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think Ogre two even said like on Twitter, he and enable kind of had a back and forth. I think that Ogre two actually deleted his tweets. Like I can't find them. Like maybe I'm just overlooking it, but um, it was during the tournament. I think it was right after Florida beat optic and they, uh, maybe it was after Florida beat London. I'm not sure, but it was essentially like Ogre Two felt like they were the the guys on Reverse Sweep were talking about something that wasn't reality. In case of Florida, he uh, I think Ogre Two was saying like you know uh, we we run these weapons and like uh, you know we're not losing to bad teams. We're losing to good teams. Like we're just like we're on that tough stretch where because we have these predetermined matchups, we're losing to uh, like these top six teams, like at the major, they lost to LAG, the eventual winner, and they lost to Boston, who uh, I think is probably the fourth best team in the game. Um, in these qualifying matches heading in, they lost to Boston, they lost to Atlanta, and they lost to Optic. Like those are losses that I, I mean, we other than maybe that Boston one's kind of more of a toss up, but we expect them to lose those matches. Uh, I do think that it's a like. My frustration with them is not that they are losing these matches like to Atlanta and Optic. It's that at times they look like they can beat everybody, but then there are other times where it's like, why are you like, it just, it, it seems like they played uh, like somewhat randomly to like the level of their opponent so they can give a run to to atlanta or they they obviously beat optic in this tournament they they beat london in this tournament like that that's very good but um i don't know like maybe i'm just like kind of pushing this narrative that isn't there and maybe i'm like maybe i'm wrong like is the thing i'm trying to say like is is florida like, where does Florida rank for you in the CDL now? Because we've seen we're halfway through the season. Like, we're actually at the midpoint of the season. And we've gotten to see them in, uh, like, a dozen or so matches. Um, they're – I don't know where they are in the standings. I think they're, like, six or seven. Uh, so, like, 
where would you put them in the league so far uh, relative to every other team? Because they have those wins against London and uh, Optic recently, but like they don't consistently beat those teams. So where do you where do you put them? That's what it comes down to for me is just the consistency and that, you know, we've talked about it now with Florida and Seattle. They like kind of highlight it um, aside from, you know, the drastic shift in consistency for L.A. Thieves. Um, I feel like Florida and Seattle are both those like back and forth teams that we've been talking about on multiple instances this year. And uh, you, you can even see it, you know, just based on their major performances. They got top 12 at the first major, I believe, because they lost to Boston in that series. Yeah, they got top 12, uh, major one, and then they get fourth at major two. So I, I think that kind of, you know, sums it up to the point where, you know, they're just an inconsistent team, and it comes down to what form of Florida shows up on what given day. And I don't know where I would put them right now. I, they're a middle-of-the-pack team in my mind. I'm not going to put a tier or a number on it. Um, just because, you know, I really don't know. But, I mean, yeah, you got the standings pulled up now, and they're tied for six. That that makes sense to me. Yeah, like, I, I think maybe I just need to understand, like, so I came to this conclusion with Boston, uh, I think, in the last week of the qualifying matches. But Boston is a good team, but not a great team. Boston is not usually going to be optic they're not usually going to be atlanta and they're probably not usually going to beat london uh, at least in the london that we saw before the major so they're not a top three team in my mind um and the 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 standings prove that they're in fourth place they're right behind london optic and atlanta but in my mind like it's it's it is, it's a solid fact that they are not a top three team. But for Florida, I don't know why it is. Maybe it's because they've lost to Boston and they've lost to LAG, et cetera, that now I'm like, oh, I, I can't like put them in a solid spot within the standings. Or I think like they're inconsistent, but maybe they aren't inconsistent. Maybe they're consistently middle like of the road like maybe they're consistently losing to these top four top five teams and maybe that's just the slot we give them like you know even with this win against optic there are in in some minds of fans there are probably asterisks involved because of the spawns and whatnot um and they beat london and there are no asterisks uh, as far as i know in that series but maybe i just need to lower my expectations and when they're playing the the Paris Legion or they're playing the New York Subliners, I should expect them to win. But when they're playing Seattle or LAT or LAG, maybe I should, you know, look at it as a, a matchup thing. And like, maybe they can't beat those teams as consistently as I like, but maybe they aren't just as inconsistent as I think. I'm not sure if that made sense, but to me, like, I, I, I think I just need to kind of push back or like push past the idea that, Florida is just like this inconsistent team that can't figure it out. It's like they can't figure it out against the the good teams, but they're not much different than Boston in that sense. They're just like not as good as Boston. I, I just think, you know, obviously we're at the halfway point, but they're still a team we just need to see more out of, right? Because if they continue to be this team that, like you said, they can beat the lower teams, but they can't beat the upper echelons of the league, then – 
you know, where where they are is likely where they're going to be, middle of the pack. But, you know, we have seen them show the ability, like with this most recent win over Optic, where they can beat, you know, these teams. It comes down to, and with them beating London, like you said, um, it just comes down to what form of Florida shows up on that given day. And I've kind of said that a couple times throughout this podcast now, but I truly, you know, Call of Duty is a game that, you know, can be very day-to-day. And, you know, a team like Florida that, you know, obviously all the players on Florida are are super talented and stuff, but um, I don't think anyone would argue against the fact that, you know, a team like Atlanta is more talented on paper. um, Where, like, you know, Atlanta is the type of team with a, just an absurd amount of talent where you can't expect them to come out and win on any given day, and they should win. Whereas a team like Florida, sure, they have the talent and stuff, but they have to, you know, maybe work a little harder or something like that to try to get uh, the end result, and it's not to the point where they're just overwhelmingly more talented than every single other team they're playing against. Um, that might have been a bad example, too, but... Uh, regardless, yeah, I think, you know, I, this was a, a good event for Florida, certainly. Um, there was the potential for them to, you know, lose to a team like London in the first round and then potentially get top 12 again at this major if they lost in the loser bracket. And then we'd be talking a very different story about, you know, what kind of change does Florida have to make or something like that. But mm-hmm. uh, with a fourth place finish at this major, I don't think we're going to see Florida make any changes. Um so it's going to come down to seeing what Florida is able to do in the uh, stage. I don't want to say staged. God damn it. Um, <laughs> in the major three <laughs> qualifiers. Um, I was That's what I was going to look up to. And Florida did tweet. Um, was it today? Why is this so low? I just searched Florida and it scrolled me down. Yeah. So earlier today, Florida tweeted like checks our first match of major three qualifiers and Florida has to play optic in their first match of the major three qualifiers, which obviously, you know, we did just see them beat them, but we also saw optic win that matchup online before major two. So, um, yeah, I think the narrative is a little different now with Florida, especially following a fourth place finish. Congratulations to them. Uh, for, you know, proving some people wrong and stuff like that. But we're going to have to see if uh, Florida is able to keep it up throughout the remainder of the year. So I have the standings up uh, on the screen. If you're watching on uh, Twitch or you're watching like the YouTube or Spotify version, um, let's just go through these standings. Uh, and we can kind of touch on some of the teams that we haven't talked about so far uh, during the major recap. Uh, number one, Atlanta phase. Uh, they have 180 CDL points, 15 and five um uh, match record and a really good map count record. Uh, Optic is not too far behind, 165 CDL points with a 14 and 4 match record. Uh, London are third despite a pretty disappointing result in the major uh, with 130 CDL points. Boston with 120 at fourth. Uh, fifth now are the Los Angeles Gorillas with 115, which uh, it kind of says a lot about how their season had gone to this point that even with, I believe you get like 65 points or something uh, for winning a major, they're only in fifth place despite being only one of two major winners. Uh, so I think that's pretty interesting. So they are in fifth. Uh, and then there's a pretty sizable gap between them and the Los Angeles Thieves uh, who are tied for sixth with the Florida Mutineers and the Seattle Surge and then the bottom four currently so if the season had ended today these four teams would not make it 
to the the CDL championship. Uh, the Toronto Ultra are sixty have sixty points. Minnesota Rocker with fifty points. The New York Subliners with forty points. And uh, Mike Merchant, please uh, cover your ears. The Paris Legion are in twelfth place uh, with twenty points and a two and eleven record. Um, it's a it's a tough go to be a Paris fan. I wouldn't know because I'm all LAG. Got the LAG merch in my closet, um, so you know I'm I'm all about winners here. Uh, but uh, which team are you wanting to talk about? Because I don't want to take up too much of uh, the fans' time because we've already went over an hour and we've talked at length about uh, many of these teams. But I guess which one of these teams are is the most surprising? Uh, had the most the most surprising result at the major, or which one's the most surprising standing place? Uh, going into halfway point in the season, um, I, I I would honestly say right now, just to answer that last question, the most surprising team is probably Gorillas in fifth. Um, mm-hmm. Coming into the season, I was very high on the roster. I, I liked the way it was constructed uh, with the SMG duo of Asim and Hook. I thought you know Asim being that more aggressive. Uh, the route man, as we saw multiple times this event in particular, uh, him doing the dirty work and then who being able to kind of follow him up, it kind of felt like, you know, a close comparison, not close comparison, but um, you, you could argue that, you know, the play styles kind of mimic like the Abizi and Simp relationship on paper, at least. Um, and then, you know, Gunless on the flex uh, slash here on the main AR. I, I like this roster coming into the season, but just, you know, performance-wise early in the season, it necessarily didn't match up uh, with where they were before getting the 65 points for winning Major 2. So I would say LAG in fifth is probably the most surprising to me. But at the same time, I'll also say um, New York was in 11th, I think. I don't have the graphic, and you pulled it down. So Yeah, I'll, I'll pull um, it back up. I think you, New York is in 11th, right? Yes, they are. I, so I'd probably say that's actually the most surprising because a yeah. lot of people, including myself, had high expectations for New York uh, heading into the season, and obviously they haven't met them. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with New York and LAG for your question there. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I guess I can kind of just rapid fire through these teams real quick as fast yeah, as I sure. can, talking about their uh, performance at the major. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll start at the bottom just because the, there's the least to say about the teams at the bottom, just based on performance. Um, Paris come in down at the bottom here. They, we only saw them play one series um, against London. Obviously, we haven't really gone in-depth on it, but London did lose in the first round to Florida, which was probably um, not expected by a lot of people and was a considerable upset, I would say. Um, and it was a 3-0 I believe too for Florida because yeah, all the first match days were um, three O's, but then London was able to bounce back and they play Paris in this uh, first round matchup of the losers back and they win that one. Um, I was just pulling up the stats though, because one player we did talk about in particular for Paris was Jimbo, who was criticized uh, for his performance in the online qualifiers since getting picked up by Paris and uh, Jimbo went 95 and 88 for a 1.08 KD in this series loss to London. Um, the second best KD on Paris in his like CDL land debut. Uh, so just wanted to throw that out there. I think, you know, Paris isn't exactly a championship contender team right now. 
and uh, by bringing in players like Gravity and uh, Jimbo giving them their shot in the CDL, it's kind of about their development at this point and just seeing what they're able to do um, at this level. So I wanted to point that out, obviously. Uh, moving on to New York now, um, probably a little surprising that they came in top 12 at this event only because they were on that recent resurgence since picking up Paul X. I think they went 3-0 and with him, I believe, because I think Paul yes. said he went 5-0 and mm -hmm. uh, in the qualifiers. He went 2-0, and filling in for London, 3-0 in New York. Um, they come into this event, they get 3-0'd by FaZe. I don't think that was necessarily very surprising yeah. to a lot of people. But then they drop down to the loser bracket, play LA Thieves, coming in 0-5. And they went up 2-0 in that series. I think that's a very big loss uh, for New York. Probably one they look back on or going to look back on and wish they could have back to potentially, you know, not saying New York goes on and beats Optic in the next round necessarily, yeah. but obviously, you know, top eight is just better than top 12. So um, slightly disappointing. I don't think we see New York make any further changes really. Um to at least the current lineup just because they saw somewhat some success online before this land. Um, so I don't think they would make another change unless they decide to move clay, obviously, but that doesn't affect the starting lineup at this moment. Um, but yeah, um, nothing else really for New York. Moving on to Minnesota, tough draw for them. Uh, this was obviously major two was hosted by them and due to Seattle's, upset of optic in the first round you know they have to <laughs> go up against optic in their first round loser bracket match and that's the only match they get to play in front of their home crowd because optic ends up beating them so um a tough draw for them um i want to look at the actual matches yeah so as expected it was a 3-1 for optic minnesota wins the search but loses the three respawns and that's just something we've talked about uh, for Minnesota, kind of, you know, at length at this point, is that something's not going right for them in Hardpoint in particular or in the response, but they're a good search team. Um, so we're going to have to see. I, I don't really, you know, Minnesota's kind of that team. I, I feel like they, they stuck with this roster now. Wouldn't be surprised if they continue to stick with it and try to work on something. Um, but at the same time, they could elect to make a change. I just don't know what that change would be. So, uh put them in like the maybe category for this midseason roster mania, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Then we go to Toronto. Same story here with them. Very surprising that uh, they get top 12 at the majors, considering the circumstances. Um, they struggled and had to play in the uh, start in the loser bracket, sorry, for this major right away. And due to the way the bracket shakes down, they uh, end up playing the Gorillas with a sub in their first game after the Gorillas lose 3-0 to Boston. So that's a match you likely expect Toronto to win. But mm -hmm. as it turns out, LAG takes that one to start their historic loser bracket run. And if I look at that match, similar to what we were just talking about with Minnesota, LAG won that one 3-1. And... Toronto wins the search, but 
LAG wins the respawns. And that's kind of weird to think about that Toronto wins that search just in consideration to LAG's 10 match search win streak. Yep. But at the same time, we've considered Toronto a very strong search team. So, um, and it was a 6 5. So, you know, that was obviously a close one. But regardless, Toronto's hard point struggles continue. They're in the same boat with Minnesota where I wouldn't be surprised if they keep their roster. But they certainly are a team, especially with their recent struggles in hardpoint, and it seems like things aren't getting better in terms of that. They could elect to make a change as well in the midseason here. Um, I will touch on Surge just a little bit because we didn't talk about it too much. Um, we got to see Nikki D play because, unfortunately, Mac had, you know, his sickness or whatever was going on with him mid-event. So hope Mac is feeling better. Um, all that stuff, but it was kind of cool. You kind of touched on it at the uh, beginning of the show when you were just like casually talking about Spart playing with amateur players and stuff in what was it now? The uh, It would have been loser bracket round three where LAG faced Surge. We see Spart versus Classic who were playing together in amateurs before this uh, situation where Spart had to fill in for Gunless comes up. So, um, that was kind of, you know, interesting just from a storyline perspective. But, um, yeah, Seattle obviously had the big win over Optic. Still, you know, an inconsistent team, but can't take too much away from them uh, because they played hard against FaZe despite, you know, the situation with Mac, and then they only lose 3-2 with a sub to the eventual champions of the tournament. So they're another team. Uh, I was actually more on the boat of them not making a change just because I feel like they're developing, you know, guys like Sib and Pred for the future. Um, so I, I, I think they don't make a change in this potential roster mania period. Um, definitely. I would put them like below <laughs> Toronto and mm -hmm, uh, Minnesota definitely. in terms of like potential changes in my mind. But uh, yeah, so that's what I'm thinking with them. I, I think, you know, it's still, Similar to Florida, who we've talked about now enough at this point. It's just it comes down to consistency with both of those teams. And uh, we'll need to see more, hopefully, with a fully healthy Mac uh, moving into the major three qualifiers. Um, I don't think, you know, we've, we've kind of talked about Florida, uh, both LA teams. Boston, obviously, we haven't talked about them too specifically, but they end up getting third at this mm -hmm. event, which is is kind of impressive. You know, we've talked multiple times on the pod now just about Boston in general, the situation with them being the 12th franchise, the last team to be able to make a roster, all that, yada, yada. Um, good placing for them here. Uh, we don't see, I think it was Aches who tweeted it. I'm going to try to pull it up real quick. Um, As you're doing that, I just want to point out, like, people were kind of acting surprised that Boston – like they won their winners bracket round one match and then like oh my god boston is playing for top three it's like yeah they're like the fourth or fifth best team in the league like it makes sense that they'd be playing for top three like i don't i don't know why i i just saw like as soon as they beat lag they beat lag with a sub and like obviously that's that felt different in the moment than it eventually was but you know, when they beat LAG in that uh, first round matchup, I was like, yeah, like, did people not expect them to get past LAG with a sub? And, like, did they really expect them to fall to the loser's bracket immediately? Like, I don't think people are really, like, paying attention. Like, Boston cannot beat 
uh, like at least consistently. They can't beat like FaZe and Optic, and usually they can't beat London. But like every other team, they're pretty like they're pretty consistently beating them. And they they came close to beating LAG, even who was like as they were going on that big run. So I think that people just need to put more respect on Boston. I definitely wasn't respecting them for most of the the beginning parts of the season, but I mean. They're very consistent in like that top four, top five range. Yeah, Meth- methods in particular has been performing very well recently. Mm-hmm. I think that um, has to, you know, be a main factor um, in the team. But also, you know, they have the rookies, and even TJ's had his moments for this team. So um, I-, I think that was a good way of putting it. Like you said, kind of just, you know, they they're beating the teams that you expect them to beat, really. Um, but what uh, Ix tweeted was uh, he didn't actually include Boston in the tweet, but it's obviously easy to infer what he's saying. He goes, major one, fifth, sixth, major two, top three. Only had to beat Florida, Paris, LAG with sub, Florida. No one's fault, obviously, but wild to see that it could be the case. So I think that was before, maybe that was before um, they'd actually beat Florida or something. Um, but regardless, that's yeah, just, was. you know, that's how the brackets shaken down. And we, we were talking about it even going into the event, um, the lower half of the bracket for major two, it didn't have optic or phase. So we were both looking at, you know, London and Boston being that showdown for top three, um, didn't work out that way because Florida upsets London, but you know, Boston just plays the team put in front of them. They beat LAG, beat Florida and they they get top three. So, yeah, I, um, I like Patty P, but that tweet aged like milk because, like, LAG ended up winning the event. The the Mutineers, uh, excuse me, they ended up beating Optic and finishing top four and nearly beat LAG as well. Like, uh, and I mean, like, you, I, I agree though, like, in the sense that, or oh, they didn't have to play the top three teams uh, that people thought they were, like, coming into the event, Optic, Phase, and London, but. I mean, that's just how it goes. Like, they, they lost to FaZe in that winner's bracket final, but, like, like Boston can't make London beat Florida, and Boston can't decide to play Optic in their first round. Like, that's just how things work out. And, you know, as things did eventually work out, they played a pretty tough schedule in that Florida and LAG performed much higher than the, the we thought they would. I, I don't think he meant, you know, like... Yeah, I don't... I think he was just pointing it out. Pointing it out, who they beat to get top three. Like you said, you know, it's not like they beat Optic and Faze in London to get top three. Um, but yeah, regardless, uh, we we see Boston get that top three finish here, and, you know, kudos to them. And on the other side, we have London, who we've just talked about in passing to this point, and I really don't have much to say. There's not um, much about them in particular just you know they 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 lose to florida that's an upset that a lot of people didn't expect they beat paris that makes sense and then they lose to leg 3-0 which is very surprising on paper coming into the event but that's in losing bracket round two and you know at the end of the tournament with lag's historic run and being the eventual champions it makes a little bit of sense so um i don't know i i still think london is a good team despite my uh hesitation to pick them for our pickums, but um yeah we'll just have to you know I'll, I'll have to see more from London moving forward don't really have much to say or critique on their performance at this event in particular we'll just have to keep our eye on them 
uh, heading into major three qualifiers. And obviously, we've talked about optic and phase enough to this point, so that kind of rounds out the event, I think. Yeah, with London, real quick, like, uh, I mean, they just didn't play very, very well like this weekend. They were two and two in hard point, one and two in search, and zero oh and three in control. Like, it's you know, we've talked about it before, but like, if you can't win that swing map, it's very difficult to like continue series. And, you know, they got swept twice, which I think is more surprising than just losing to Florida and LAG. It's that they were both, they were swept on both uh, occasions and like, like it, they're upsets by themselves, but losing 3-0 to LAG, who really were just elite in one game mode this weekend, and play in uh losing to Florida like this. And Florida's like a good hard point team. And you know, uh I think in this event, let me look. So uh Florida was five and two in hard point, two and four in search, and three and one in control. So like it it makes sense, but I just expected more of London because to this point, they were a very solid team, uh, especially in hard point. And that's been really what's been carrying them through this, this season so far is just they're, they're a very consistent hard point team. They, they can pretty much beat you on any map like that they usually let into the pool. So like they're seven and three on Berlin, six and four on Gavutu, and six and three on Tuscan. Like that's very good. And that's probably why they're able to beat pretty much everybody except phase and optic consistently. But maybe just like I I think that they probably need to improve in at least one more game mode like in a considerable uh in considerable fashion or they're just gonna have these tournaments where you run into a good hard point team and they're kind of countered like florida is probably a good matchup or uh, it's a bad matchup for london but like they if they're going up a against a really good hard point team that has any other game mode in their arsenal like it's gonna be tough for them even if like at the moment, I would still say they're like the third or fourth best team in the league. So yeah, yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult for them to to beat optic and phase, but if they just improve a little bit in search or control, uh, I think that they can like solidify their spot in the top three or four. And I mean that's a very good spot going in uh, into the back half of the season if you can just stay in that top like. Uh, f like third of the league, like that's that's obviously a great great spot to be in. Um, real quick, I don't know if you have anything else you want to talk about, but just real quick, since we've mentioned roster mania kind of in passing at this point, while looking at the standings, real quick, um, if I was to break it down, obviously, you know, like I said earlier, I would put like surge like below, uh, ultra and Minnesota in terms of like making roster changes, but like just looking at the standings here, real quick, I think. In my opinion, no. Phase, Optic, London, Boston probably aren't making any changes. I would be very surprised if any of those teams make changes. Yeah. LAG, inevitably, they have to make a quote-unquote change or a decision. Um, yeah. I don't know how you want to categorize that. Then after that, we have LA Thieves. They're in the camp of potentially making a change. We've got Florida and Seattle in the camp of they could make a change but probably won't. And then ultra minnesota like joining lat in the potential change camp and then new york and paris kind of like you know like they could make a Maybe. change but probably <laughs> um so yeah I'd, I'd say would you agree with those like group breakdowns 
Yeah, so I would say that Toronto is probably the most likely team to make a change. Just like they have Hixie as their substitute. I wouldn't be, and they have uh, two good academy teams. Uh, we should mention that there was the Challengers event this weekend, and both of the, I believe they have a North American and a European academy team, the Ultra Do. And I'm pretty sure that both of them placed top six at the event, uh, or top four, top four, whatever. Top four. Uh, yeah. So top four. Uh, Top, the top four teams in that challenge event qualified for the Pro-Am Classic, which is to take place in like a month or so. I, I don't know the exact date. But um, but both of those academy teams end up qualifying. So there are a lot of really interesting options if Toronto ends up uh, you know, making a roster change and they want to stay within the Ultra family, um, so to speak. Uh, so I do think that Toronto is the most likely to make a change. I would say that... Um, Minnesota is probably the next most likely because they're in the same boat as Toronto that they stuck with the roster that they had from last season because they finished on a really strong note and things just aren't working out at this moment like you've had a few months and dozens of matches to kind of kind of evaluate in Vanguard uh, in addition to the the time that they had last season so I think Minnesota are also pretty likely to make a roster change just based on logic not any uh, you know feeling of like you know like reports or anything I, I just think like logically it makes sense that minnesota would make a change uh, i do think that paris is probably the next most likely just because they're at the very bottom and it's getting to the point like you're running out of time uh to even get into the top eight like they're only 50 points behind but that's five matches they've won two like it's not it's not real likely that they win five matches to finish the season so like they kind of need to make a change maybe a two-person change again just to kind of mix things up and see like temp is obviously their best player like i don't think there's much doubt about that but like other than him like there's nobody that's truly safe in my mind so i do think that of the 12 CDL teams, Paris is probably like the third or fourth most likely team to make a change. Um, the the Thieves are very interesting, and I do think that they probably will make a change. Um, it's it's like the optic situation last year where when they were struggling, I was kind of like, okay, like you make that change, but like what is that change going to look like? Are you really going to get anybody better? Um, I think it would be funny if Temp ended up uh, back in LAT. Uh, I mean, he's obviously boys with Kenny and stuff, but and, and he's playing very well. I just don't know uh, how the rules fit, and I think that's a, that's a problem that happens with Kenny's teams because he's very versatile. So like teams are very um, like – they're, they like him. Like, they're like, all right, you're going to run a sub. All right, you're going to run a flex. All right, you're going to run main AR. Like, that's like, he's so good at everything. So, I think that is kind of an issue sometimes because they think they can do whatever. But at the end of the day, like, he's best in what he's best at. Like, you just kind of have to figure that out. Um, but I do think that they probably will make a roster change, but I'm not sure what exactly that entails. Um, I wouldn't consider whatever LAG does uh, unless they trade someone. Like, I don't consider that a roster change if they bring back Gunless or, you know, I guess it could be a roster change if they say, like, we're permanently going with Spart. But either way, like, you know, I I'm interested to see what they do, and I, I hope that somebody gets traded and they're able to play in the CDL immediately. Um, other than that, I'm not sure if there are really any roster changes uh, coming down the pipeline. Um, New York is interesting. I, I think that 
they're better in hardpoint with Paul X, but I think the the three match win streak was not a fluke, but just like they played three pretty bad teams at the, or per, like three underperforming teams at that time, and that's kind of how it worked out. Like I don't think it was very surprising that they went 0-2 at the major, especially because they played FaZe in the first round. Like that's just that's bad luck. And LAT are like I, I think I even mentioned in the last podcast, LAT are a decent hard point team. Um, and a good one at their best. So, like, if LAT even plays remotely well, then it's going to be really difficult for New York to win that, and New York didn't win that. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see if the subliners end up making a roster change uh, to try to complete, like, a, a two-team move, or if they move Clayster. Uh, I don't know where he would end up because it's very difficult for an AR player. There aren't many... Uh, options uh, at this point because everybody seems to have their main AR. But um, again, pretty interesting uh, situation. Seattle could make a change, I guess, but I'm in your, I'm in the same boat as you. Like, just let it ride out. Like, this team is interesting, and they're able to win matches against some top teams. You know, you beat the two best teams in the league. Um, you've beaten FaZe, I think, twice if you include the kickoff classic, once if you don't, and you just beat Optic in this one, uh, in this major. So uh, probably no change. Florida, I think they probably should make a change, but, you know, like they just finished fourth. So that's kind of delays the inevitable, in my opinion. Like that's just something that happens sometimes where a team does really well and they're like, well, we got to stick it out. Like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I don't feel like it'll work and I don't like it. If your goal is to win a championship, I don't think this team has it. So you should try to, you know, improve your roster to the point that they can win a championship. So uh, I would say Florida's out on this one. Uh, Florida is probably not going to make a change, but you know that's just my opinion. And everybody else, like, there's no reason to make a change, even with London's bad performance. Like, you're not going to make that. You're not going to uh, switch out anybody on that roster when you're third in the league and probably still the third best team like you're not just like there because like you had a few fluky wins like no you're probably the third or fourth best team in the league probably stick with that roster so that is my opinion on the the whole roster mania or maybe there really won't be any roster mania maybe there will be like one or two and we'll just kind of move on yep you see what uh trem said in chat no i will look at it now he said when you were talking about Florida, he said they should sign Havoc, and that's why I was laughing hysterically. <laughs> I mean, maybe uh, I don't. I don't know who who like improves them. I do think that Dave Patty is like the odd man out, unfortunately, because Vivid has a like. There's no like if they get rid of Vivid, like wh what are we doing here? You know, like the the role makes sense for him in that roster. They probably just need like another flex. Like they they need more of like a sub flex, like someone that is more accustomed to. Like I think, I, I do believe that Ease is still their sub. Um, I I just don't know what happens like with yeah, this I, roster. I don't think they do anything because like even because you're saying yeah. that like con roster construction wise, like you can't get rid of Vivid because he's really the only one true sub you have. Yeah. Um, they're not getting rid of Awakening because he's basically like the franchise player in my eyes. I feel like uh, he's really good friends with uh, Willet. I think he was like playing with Willet, who is FaZe's coach before um, before he made the transition to coaching. And then um, obviously, like they decided to go with Willet as the head coach over Ricky Atura heading into the season. I thought Atura was 
a pretty good coach, but like just you know, um, based on me like just presuming that relationship between like Awakening and Willard, it would make sense like they're not moving him. No. Uh, Skies has literally been on Florida for the past three years, so I don't think he's really going anywhere. And then Dave Patty is the rookie pickup for them heading into the season, and he's performed pretty well, especially statistically. Yeah. So, um, despite like roster construction and role questions and all that stuff, I, I don't see them making a change right now either. Yeah, I don't. I don't see them making a change, but I do think that they like if there was uh, something that they did need, it would probably just be like a glue guy. They need like a Nikki D, like in that roster. Not not specifically Nikki D, unless they just want to hard counter Atlanta. But like in the general sense of like, they just need a glue guy. They need someone that is willing to do the dirty work because they have incredible slaying power and like Vivid is like you know this incredible like fast uh smg player like in the same vein as abizi so like it you know every team is essentially building their roster like in the in the way the optic and phase built their roster essentially and that's just how it is like uh, i don't maybe like search is like they need a really good search player so like maybe havoc is the guy i don't know like i i really don't and uh i think that's the most exciting thing about roster mania a lot of times is like you have no idea who is who's like the perfect pickup like nobody would have expected spart to be like a great sub for lag but that's how it works out and uh i think we'll just we'll have to wait and see and we'll, we'll all be on twitter waiting for these moments I will say that I would be incredibly surprised if Havoc actually yeah. was picked up by Florida just because of the past, uh, the the history and you know what's happened in the past between Florida and Havoc. Um, unless you have anything else to talk about, no. I think we're good to go. But I will just bring up real quick because I pulled it up when you were talking. Uh, like you said, there was the Challengers Open this past. Uh, weekend as well at Minnesota and um, the top four teams from it qualify for there's going to be like a pro-am tournament at some point this year I think it's like before stage damn it I said stage again before the major three qualifiers happen or whatever um, it's going to yeah. be like similar to uh, old school MLG events in the sense where we have like you know these open bracket teams coming up to play the pro teams and stuff and in this sense it's the challengers teams playing against uh, CDL teams so those four teams uh, Ultra Academy NA as you mentioned won the event that's Hixie, Vickle, Mohawk and Scrappy um, so although they're NA I believe you know Hixie is European and I think Vickle is Spanish or also European so yeah I think they're just um, based in Toronto yeah and then M7X Electrify came in second. That's Denza, Maple, Wardy, and Wee Man. Um, I recognize the names Wee Man, Denza, and I think Maple was like playing with Tommy at one point, if I remember correctly. I think like Maple yeah. played with Chain and Tommy or something. So I recognize that. I think that he name. was on Singularity at one point. Yeah, he was. Maybe. He was on Singularity until March yeah. 2021. Yeah. Um, and then you have Ultra Academy EU came in third, which is Beans, Furious, Harry, and Vortex. Um, I know Vortex is one of those like old school uh Epsilon guys with like Dave and Hockey or whatever. And I think Harry is London's sub, if I remember Crone's report correctly. Um Yes, he is. And then uh the big surprise was Strike X coming forth. That's Gunsy, Fire, Ramby, and Silly. 
Um, they upset Texas Nation, which is Kismet, Havoc, General, and Brezzy, who were, like, dominating the challenger scene. Um, and they upset them to get, like, that fourth and final spot in the upcoming Pro-Am tournaments. So, uh, congrats to those teams. Obviously, congrats to uh, the Toronto NA squad for winning the Challengers event. Um, and, yeah, that's it for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, congrats to everybody in Challengers that ended up qualifying for the Pro-Am Classic. This is definitely uh, a really great chance, I believe. I just looked it up. It's May 5th to May 8th, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, uh, is the Pro-Am Classic. Um, and that's like a, a week before the qualifying matches for Major 3 begin. So uh, we got a little bit of time, uh, you know, a month to really wait on the Pro-Am Classic. And in that time period, we have like some like... Um, like resurgence stuff and i don't think that they're doing an all-star weekend or i i don't know if they're announcing it or whatever but um yeah so that that's what we have to look forward to so there might be some inconsistent shows or we might just uh do like one or two shows with a different format of kind of like just talking about stuff uh that we th you know like if there's Raw, uh, if there are roster changes or if we just have like some topics that we want to talk about maybe a mailbag episode people ask us stuff about cod um that maybe that's something we didn't do in the off season but we could do in this break um but either way uh that does it for the show make sure to follow or subscribe to the ego child podcast feed uh we're on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify youtube etc um, also leave us a good rating and uh, leave your feedback if you're so inclined uh, follow us on twitter you're at jbink with two k's i'm at pres buyers and the podcast twitter is at ego child podcast the next live show is um to be determined i guess um Either way, we'll tweet it out, so that's probably the best way to keep up to date. Uh, when we do a live show, it'll be at twitch.tv slash podcast. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. If I'm, you know, I'm not forgetting anything, so uh, take it away, Bink. Thank you, guys, as always, for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this uh, absolutely bonkers and wild major this past weekend. If, for whatever reason, you're watching our show and you weren't able to catch all the matches this past weekend, I uh, highly recommend going back and watching, you know, probably all of LAG's matches, at least, you know, obviously the finals and kind of their losers bracket run towards the end of the tournament in particular. Um, you know, also some of the upsets like Seattle over Optic, uh, the phase versus Seattle series was pretty good. Um, you know, a lot of great matches if you missed any for whatever reason. So uh, definitely, you know, you can go back on YouTube, watch the VODs very easily. Um, and enjoy the matches if you missed them for any reason. But, yeah, it was a great weekend. Had a lot of fun. It was a long and uh, busy one. But, uh, you know, end of the day, we got some great Call of Duty out of it. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the event. Hope you guys enjoyed our recap of it. Obviously, we did a little bit of a different format this show. Uh, so you got any feedback for us, as always, let us know. And other than that, we'll see you on the next one. As always, remember to send the chow.